At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Seven at seven. Weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and, of course, the NHL's trade deadline. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Join with me, as always, on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it going, man? Good. Good. We got a couple days off here. Uh, Catch our breath a little bit and gear up for the home stretch so yeah yeah doing good this is uh this should be a fun one i'm i'm eager to chat about uh what we have in store yeah me too it's a weird uh time because we're recording this on tuesday march 23rd because the golden knights have a weird and uh this is not normally weird but it is weird this year two-day break between games it's crazy it's their last two-day break between games the entire rest of the regular season uh, so it's a little bit nice for us to take a little bit of a breather. And of course, imagine if we're feeling this way, uh, the players are probably feeling it 10 times as much. Uh, but, you know, that gives us a chance to catch our breath and talk about some interesting topics that will be kind of spinning in our heads the rest of the year, including kind of some NHL trade deadline stuff, because that is coming up on the 12th. Dave talked to Knights General Manager Kelly McCrimmon last week about that, and so we'll kind of hear his thoughts and react to them. But before we discuss that and a bunch of other topics, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We really appreciate their support, as always. We are also presented by Blue Wire. And, of course, if you guys could uh, check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com, that would be very much appreciated. As I said, Dave's got that story with his conversation with General Manager Kelly McCrimmon up there. Uh, I just put up a big feature on defenseman Nick Haig and how, uh, despite his size, he has worked on his skating to get to the point where he is a NHL regular. He had a nice assist last night on Keegan Colasar's first NHL goal. Um, and as always, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. It would be very much appreciated. All right, so the Golden Knights have played three games since we last recorded one of these bad boys. We had two last week, including a special episode with Golden Knights center Cody Glass, if you guys want to check that out. Uh, They split a pair of games in Los Angeles against the Kings, and then they beat the Blues 5-1 last night. It's pretty interesting that the Knights continue to stroll merrily along through this schedule, but I think it's a little bit more exciting to talk about the fact that the trade deadline is less than three weeks away and we kind of think that the market is going to start moving earlier than it normally does because uh, there are obviously Canadian quarantine restrictions so those teams north of the border might want to get moving a little bit quicker than everyone else which means that you know that might force everyone that's kind of bidding on the same players that like teams like Toronto are bidding on are going to be forced to maybe make some decisions faster than they would normally like 
Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago on this podcast, and you guys can certainly find it, about kind of our interesting feelings about the trade deadline because we do feel like it's going to be more difficult to make deals this year because of you know the flat cap, uh, the expansion draft coming up because of those kind of quarantine or just like overall travel restrictions and COVID protocols that teams are going to follow. Uh, since we had that, I guess, first conversation about two weeks ago, Dave, are you feeling uh, anything differently about how kind of the trade deadline in general is going to go this year compared to previous years? Well, I think in general, I mean, are you talking about for the Knights or for, for the NHL overall? I was going to go for the NHL overall before we dive specifically into the Knights, but I mean, I think our thoughts on both were pretty similar in terms of not expecting a lot of fireworks. Yeah, I, I think the fireworks for sure. I, I would expect a lot of like maybe smaller things, depth type moves. Um, but like you like you laid out really well, there's a whole lot of different factors here that that you know general managers have never had to deal with in terms of you know like you said planning out something like you know a quarantine. I mean, if you're trading with a Canadian team, you have to factor in two weeks of not having that player and how does that affect you and the team and developing the chemistry and integrating them, you know, into a group? How do you go about approaching that? Does it even affect or, you know, make you more hesitant to pull off a deal or make a deal? So there's a lot of just different considerations, I think, for all of the general managers going around the NHL, you know, as a whole. And then, you know, like we'll talk about here, I think, you know, with the Golden Knights and Kelly McCrimmon's, uh, I guess, you know, how their approach and, and their view, you know, even that's different than than how it's been in the past, especially around here, I think. No, totally. So we'll, let's get into the Knights situation uh, specifically a little bit more, because in the past, they certainly haven't been shy about making moves. Of course, the inaugural season, they got Tomas Tatar and Ryan Reeves. Uh, the second season, they traded for this guy named Mark Stone. Ever heard of him? Uh, last year, uh, they traded for Chandler Stevenson well before the trade deadline, uh, but around you know the February area, they added Alec Martinez, and then on the actual deadline day, they got Robin Leonard and Nick Cousins. This year might be a little bit different, and a big reason why is the team's salary cap situation is uh, a lot different than it has been in years past. Uh, currently, the Knights have Alex Petrangelo on long-term injured reserves. So that gives them a little bit of cap wiggle room. But basically, if you're not expecting him to be on LTIR the rest of the year, which as of this moment, we have no reason to believe that that's the Knights' plan for him, then they, you really don't have a lot of cap flexibility. Um, if you go to the website capfriendly.com, which if you're into this stuff, great resource. The Knights have approximately $141,000 of salary cap space at the trade deadline as of right now. When the NHL's minimum salary is $700,000, that doesn't give you a whole lot of anything to do something with. And, you know, if you go through and, you know, Cap Friendly has really nice tools that you can use to kind of play some scenarios out, there's basically no way that the Knights can add an NHL salary uh, without giving up kind of a full-sized NHL contract off their current roster. Um, you know, there might be some things I haven't played around with where they get two teams involved to retain salary, but it would just require a lot of logistics for them to add 
someone without taking someone off their NHL roster kind of completely. Um, and so with that kind of being the backdrop of how difficult it potentially might be for them to make a move, Dave, we've hinted at it. You talked to general manager Kelly McCrimmon this past week. Did anything he have to say about you know the team's kind of outlook on the trade deadline uh, change your mind about you know what you might be thinking the Knights might be up to? No, although I, I'm not sure I totally believe him. I mean, I I think you know on the surface and and certainly you know like you laid out all the numbers don't really make it feasible. There's just not a lot of wiggle room. And what I do believe is when I when I say I don't believe what I do believe is that the Knights feel really good about the roster that they have right now. There's no perfect roster out there. Like everybody's flawed in the salary cap era. So to sit there and say, well, they could use this or they could use that, and we can talk about, you know, some of the things where they could make a move and maybe they can improve some spots. But but to sit there and and you know, like I, I'm just gonna throw this out hypothetically, like, oh, let's go add Jack Eichel or something like that. You know, like I mean, come on. That's that's not, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. And and beyond that, we're talking about a team that's in first place and right among the leaders in points percentage and have, excuse me, and have been all season. So there's really no move to, there's no reason to make like a major move, like a major shakeup. You know, we're not going to see like a Mark Stone type trade. I don't think we'll see anything like a, even like a Robin Leonard type trade in terms of magnitude. But I still feel like Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and the Knights can't resist the urge to tinker or add just a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some creativity involved and they're able to add maybe something small, just just a little depth move or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I guess on the surface and, and where I would say I I buy Ke- what Kelly McCrimmon is selling is that this is a really good team and a really good roster. So there's no need to really go out and do anything you know, anything major. They've already done a lot of the the major construction, whether it was previous trade deadlines or signing guys in the offseason. Yeah, I thought that's something that was really interesting that he had to say to you was mentioning, you know, last year they entered the season knowing that that roster was not a finished product, that they knew, okay, we're going to have to add pieces as we kind of go here. And this year, he kind of said the approach is, you know, not similar at all. Or they kind of were like, hey, they entered the season and went, we actually think we're pretty good and we could be okay with this. And obviously, so far, uh, nothing has probably dissuaded them from the notion that uh, they're pretty good. I mean, they have a 750 points percentage right now that is second in the league behind the defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So they have every reason to believe that kind of the blueprint that they've laid out is working so far. Uh, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Dave, because I think, you know, obviously there was a similar discussion around the inaugural season, which is, yes, there are ways to improve this team, but also this team is rolling. So do you want to change a good thing, basically? I'm, you know, the Knights obviously added some pieces, but Tomas Tatar didn't make a huge impact after coming over the inaugural season, Ryan Reeves is a kind of, you know, depth fourth line guy. He's not playing major minutes for you. So do you think that is partially, I guess, informing what uh, Kelly McCrimmon is putting out there as well? That, hey, we got a good thing going here. And uh, 
especially in this crazy season where, you know, guys don't get a lot of interaction with each other. They have to follow a lot of rules. You know, maybe they don't need another disruption, even if it could potentially be positive on the ice. Yeah, I do. And that was, you know, one of the questions and how I presented, you know, sort of the conversation to him was how closely does this compare to, say, you know, the first season and the approach that they took at that point, which was, like you said, they were rolling along there. There wasn't a whole lot of need to, I think, mess with what was working at that point. I think if you go back and look at what George McPhee said at the time, he had mentioned that there was some injuries and they just wanted, you know, some bodies and some things like that. There was some depth um, at work with, with behind that, that tar trade in addition to, you know, feeling like he could, you know, contribute. He's like maybe the one swing and miss, I guess, of all the trades that they've made for the most part, especially I guess at the deadline, you know, you go through, I mean, obviously the stone deal works out great Leonard so far. I mean, you know, Nick Cousins turns out to be a pure rental. Ryan Reeves so far, I think, has, has found a role. Like you said, he's, you know, carved a niche, you know, in the community as well. So I think for the most part, they've done a good job of maybe, you know, vetting, you know, the situation. Alec Martinez is another one, you know, getting guys that fit and, and you know, can add something to the group. I feel like maybe if I'm them, I think... I'm going to look longer and harder at it that maybe just this is not the right time, right place to be doing those sorts of things. It's just a weird season. Do you want to be moving assets and, and all of that? It, you know, obviously if the right deal presents itself and they can get creative with the salary and they feel like it improves the team, they're going to do something. They've always done that. They've been that way. You know, they've, they're, they're open about, look, we're always going to look to improve this team. So I, I think they're going to, they're going to examine things. They're going to explore options. You know, I, I guess maybe in the end, I just think beyond anything kind of small, you know, anything sort of, that's just, you know, a little bit of depth here, maybe, you know, a bottom six type guy. I just have a hard time seeing them really sort of messing what's working, you know, it, it, it's cliche, but it's, it's definitely if it ain't broken, don't fix it type of deal. I think right now at one hour air conditioning and heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call eight, five, five, one hour or visit one hour air.com. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Look for 7 at 7 local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app. Or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Download the app and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. Totally. But let's explore at least a little bit, I guess, the kind of person they could go after. Because you mentioned, you know... Bottom six forward, and I think that is kind of the clear, you know, circle it in red or whatever, you know, target that this team could even be looking at because uh, the top six, when it's rolling, really good. And even if something happens to a top six player like uh, Max Pacioretty, who has been injured the last couple of games, you just move Alex Tuck in. So that part's, you know, pretty, I think. Good to go. And then when you talk about the blue line, obviously Petrangelo has been hurt for a while. But when he's healthy and in there, I think you feel pretty good about that group of six. And then same with your goaltending duo. Now that that's kind of healthy and intact again, 
that's pretty locked in. So the one area that you could have some, you know, concern or want to beef up a little bit is that bottom six. Now, the fourth line has come around a little bit recently. Uh, William Carrier, Ryan Reeves, and Tomas Nosek each have a goal uh, in the last four games. So that's been something that's been turning around for the Knights. But I still think the third line, uh, especially when you don't have Tuck on it, is one that's struggled to produce at times throughout a lot of this season. We've seen uh, Cody Glass come out of the lineup uh, two times in the past. You know, I think it's like about three-ish weeks. So that's clearly a sign that they're not totally happy with what they're getting from him. Nicholas Waugh does a lot of really good things on the forecheck well, but he's not kind of finishing and producing offensively. So I think there's definite room to improve there. Uh, The tricky part, of course, is what you kind of hinted at, Dave, is like, are you willing to move assets for it? Not just in terms of, you know, draft picks and stuff, because the Knights do have plenty of draft capital coming down the pike, especially for a team that is, you know, kind of quote unquote, a contender. The fact that they have uh, two second round picks in this upcoming draft, including one that should be a pretty high second because it's from the New Jersey Devils, is certainly an asset. But they're going to have to move money off the books. And that means, you know, if you add a bottom six forward, you might have to, you know, put Cody Glass on the taxi squad the rest of the year because of salary cap constraints. It might require giving up, you know, say a no sick because he's an expiring contract, even though he started to come around. I think that makes the calculus a lot harder because not only are you going to have to give up you know, contracts or draft picks to get this done. There's just an opportunity cost wrapped up in all of that as well. Yeah, there is. And and I think maybe that's, you know, if I'm looking at this, how do I, you know, how do I approach everything? And those are considerations. I mean, even something as far as like, okay, the 2021 draft, which we now hear is, you know, pretty much going to go off as expected. Uh, that That's a draft that, that a lot of the scouts have had minimal viewings on prospects. I don't know that they've gotten the best feel for what's going on in, in terms of that class, you know, maybe you're more willing to move draft picks from that particular draft as an asset to, to acquire somebody because you just don't feel as good about, you know, your grasp on the prospects, you know, maybe you're looking for something like 2022 picks or, you know, whatever it might be. I'm going to throw actually something else out here, and I'm kind of scanning the WHL schedule, um, and I popped up the Winnipeg Ice, and it looks like they go through April 27th is the last scheduled game in the Regina, Saskatchewan bubble. And I don't know what's going to happen with the postseason and all that sort of stuff. I bring this up because we're talking about trade deadline acquisitions and who can they get and all these sorts of things. And maybe the guy who is the addition comes internally and maybe it's Peyton Krebs. Maybe once he's done, maybe he's close enough and he's ready that you can drop him into the mix. And maybe he's somebody that injects some life into the third line. Obviously they got a long look at him in the bubble. Uh, He, he had some success at the AHL level with the silver Knights when he was allowed to play down there, I think was five points in four games. So certainly he wasn't overwhelmed this first taste of professional hockey. I don't know if that means that he's NHL ready right now, but you know, all of these things that, that we're looking at in different solutions and, you know, maybe it's somebody from the silver Knights, maybe, you know, 
maybe it's Jack Dugan. Maybe he gets a call up and, and, you know, gets a look and, and they solve that internally instead of having to go out and add somebody, uh, you know, uh, they've been creative in their three plus years here. That's the one thing that we've, we've seen over and over. So I, I don't think that'll change. I think their hands are tied by obviously the situation, the salary cap, you know, everything that we've, we've talked about here previously, you know, on the podcast, but I think if, if we're going to look at this in terms of the defense, I think I would feel good about their depth. You know, Dylan Coughlin has shown he can play. They've, they had a work in Nick Holden is almost a seventh defenseman. And I think if he's a depth guy, you probably feel, you know, pretty okay about where you're at. And they're, you know, based on what Pete DeBoer said on Alex Petrangelo, where he doesn't expect it to be like a long-term thing. I think you can expect that he would come back at some point this season. So on defense, I think you feel okay. And and yeah, unless you're going to swing for the fences, which I don't see why you would do. And I don't see who's even available to, you know, bolster your top six in that regard, it, it would have to be a depth guy. And if you're going to go out and make all these different, you know, moves and give up assets when maybe the solution is inside your own house, you know, maybe that that makes you look, you know, internally instead of, you know, solving the problem outside. No, I think that's a really good point. Uh, Peyton Krebs was a point per game guy, basically, in the American Hockey League when he got his chance there. Uh, Jack Dugan is currently a point per game guy in the American Hockey League. Almost all assists. Uh, I think he's got uh, 12 assists compared to two goals. So uh, his line mates must be very, very happy playing with him um we'll have to obviously see if the organization considers either of those guys nhl ready because of course neither has made their nhl debuts yet but they certainly would come cheaper than a lot of the you know other potential options out there and the thing that obviously hangs over all of this and makes it intriguing is the knights are kind of handicapped but we'll see what the other teams and their division end up doing because the other teams are still restricted but less so than the knights the wild have some room to work with if they want to add anything the avalanche have some room to work with and i'm curious if their general manager joe sakic is going to try to you know at least tinker with his lineup because they've got some uh contracts that need renewing or extensions this coming off season so money is about to get a lot tighter over there in Denver. So this might be one of the last time they're able to kind of really make a push and add some significant pieces. So that's obviously something to keep an eye on just because as obviously everyone knows, these teams only play each other during the regular season and they're only going to play each other the first two rounds of the playoffs. So it is interesting that they are just basically directly matching up with each other. And in a lot of ways, it doesn't really matter to the Knights at least initially, if you know Toronto does anything, if Tampa Bay does anything, if Carolina does anything, it matters to them what uh, Colorado, Minnesota, and potentially St. Louis does. But I think St. Louis is a little bit more restricted. And I thought uh, Kelly McCrimmon had some interesting things to say about how he kind of has to evaluate uh, his team a little bit differently this year because of that compared to previous years, Dave. Yeah, you know, that was actually a conversation that he and I had it was it was interesting to hear what he had to say in terms of like they f- actually feel like they have a pretty good grasp on you know where they stack up. I sort of presented it to him in the 
in the context of, you know, you haven't played Tampa this year. You haven't played, you know, any, any of the Canadian teams. Like, you know, does that change your own view of yourself? Does it make it harder to kind of, I guess, self-evaluate? Do you, you know, obviously they're really good. Obviously there's some teams in their division that provide a test, but, you know, can you get a grasp on where you are without knowing how you stack up against the rest of the league? And he, he actually kind of turned around on me a little bit and, you know, felt like they had, you know, a pretty good idea of where they stacked up with some of the other teams and, you know, just from history and, you know, scouting a little bit, that sort of thing. But yeah, I do think, you know, again, this is all, you know, as they go into these next few weeks, these are all of the things that they have never really had to assess and look at, you know, the, the quarantine and, you know, like, like we're just talking about how, how, the, how does it affect the fact that they haven't played any of the other, any of these other teams from three divisions and how are they going to stack up? So there's a lot for the, for them to, to be talking about with their, you know, the scouting department and the whole front office as they approach this. I mean, it's fascinating. I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I would love to hear these conversations versus, you know, like the ones in years past, how close is it to, to the first year in terms of them, you know, not wanting to tinker. And then again, here's the other thing too, like they're going into a really big series here coming up this week against Colorado, which as we record, this is one like seven in a row. So, you know, it's, it's, you're looking at, okay, well, what is Colorado going to add? What are they going to do? You know? And then, yeah, you have to kind of counter that. You have to get past them in, you know, in this particular playoff format for the most, in all likelihood, I guess, unless somebody comes along and knocks them off, it's not like you can rely on it, you know, in, in years past where you're going in division and maybe they don't get through them. Maybe they're waiting for you at the end this year. They're going to probably have to go right through Colorado and Minnesota. And at least as it stands, probably St. Louis too. So if those teams are able to add and, and change, you know, it, it might factor in, do the Knights have to react to that? No, totally. And as you mentioned, big series for the Knights coming up there in Denver on Thursday and Saturday. The Avalanche currently are three points behind the Knights at the top of the West Division standing. So if the Avalanche get the sweep, they will be in first place and the Knights will not be in first place uh, for basically the first time all season. So obviously a critical two-game set coming up here. Uh, We're going to switch gears and talk about a couple more things before we get out of here. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the trade deadline talk, but uh, I want to quick mention uh, Robin Leonard who came back recently for the golden Knights. He made his first start in more than a month on Friday. Uh, He had suffered the third concussion of his career. He had revealed that to uh, us reporters and the media. And so he has now been in the crease twice for the Knights and won both times. He also started yesterday as we're recording this against the St. Louis Blues. Um, but what was obviously interesting is that in revealing his concussion, you asked him uh, an interesting question, Dave, which was basically there were, you know, for lack of a better word, quote unquote, whispers, rumors, kind of things being hinted at because Robin Leonard obviously has a history of uh you know, struggles with mental health and substance abuse issues, things that he's been very open and honest about. It obviously started with an article in The Athletic, and he later he won 
the Masterton Trophy that year uh, when he was with the New York Islanders a year before he came to the Chicago Blackhawks, who then traded him to the Knights, uh, where he detailed a lot of those struggles and the things that he's been through. And so, you know, it seemed that I think some people, when the Knights termed him an upper body injury and kept kind of giving vague updates as to where he was at, some people kind of, you know, were, I guess, trying to read between the lines or at least insinuate that there was more going on. And then Leonard decided basically that he had to come out and say, no, like I want to be straight out and say, this is a concussion. It was the third concussion of my career, you know, something that's really hard to deal with and obviously takes time to recover from. Um, And like I said, you asked him about that and he gave a, a really kind of interesting and personal reflection. Just what were your kind of thoughts on the, you know, I guess quick back and forth that you guys had. Well, I think on the one hand, and I, I guess maybe I should say that what the impetus or the context or the reason that I asked the question and the way that I phrased it was to give him a chance to address it because I felt like he needed the opportunity to speak about it. And I'll say this on a personal level to be a reporter for a month plus to hear this stuff going on, um, to have people come up to me and insinuate all that, ask me what's going on, ask if I know anything, you know, Hey, you know, when there's smoke, there's all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it bothered me. Like, I don't want to necessarily get into a whole, you know, conversation and make it personal, but like, that's an issue that's very, um, very personal for me. It hits very home. It's something that I deal with, you know? And so to basically watch and to see all this and to literally hear other reporters go on podcasts and, you know, their shows and do things and dance around it the way that they did and sort of insinuate something was going on, but feel like they couldn't be responsible and say it and they didn't actually have anything to back it up. Like it's just reckless and it's ridiculous and it's unfair to Robin Leonard. And we all heard it. We all heard it. Everybody knew. I'm sorry. Every single reporter, everybody that was listening to that conversation or whatever knew that there were rumors going on about that. And the only reason that Robin Leonard went out there and spoke and did the media availability the way that he did was to clear up those rumors. So from my standpoint, if that's the way that if that was what was going on and it was pretty obvious to me, then he needed a chance to address it. And I'm glad that he did. And I'm glad that his two minute, you know, I'll call it speech or or rant because he used that word, even though I don't like that, you know, I'm glad it got out there and it, and it spread as far as it did. And as many people saw it, because they need to see it and people need to understand that, you know, I mean, part of this too is the vagueness of the injury stuff. And that's a whole different discussion. And I'm not going to get into like the, you know, what aboutism and start passing the blame and, you know, put it on the nights and all of that. Unfortunately, they stick with labels like upper body injury and they don't come right out and say, hey, he has a concussion. I wish they would have in this case. I wish maybe they made an exception. I wish they would have looked at what happened the first year with Marc-Andre Fleury and they came out and they said that he had a concussion and that was pretty much it. 
And until we saw him kind of at practice a little bit, sort of out there, you know, it was sort of out of sight, out of mind, and everybody knew what he was dealing with and nobody bothered him. And, and I guess maybe in a way, with the benefit of hindsight, maybe the Knights could have handled this all better. And, you know, maybe next time they do, I don't know. But I'm glad Robin Leonard felt, you know, that he had to say something. I just think it's unfortunate that the circumstances led him to do that, that it was that he did not get the benefit of the doubt in this situation. And people questioned whether he was hurt. And I don't think there's any other player on this roster or hardly in the NHL at all, that if he went, you know, on the sidelines for what the team said was an upper body injury and the coach alluded to symptoms and every single time the players talked about it, they mentioned an injury. They never slipped and said anything about it. They all mentioned injury, even when they weren't unfiltered. So there was no reason to doubt this. And yet there still was. So, you know, from a personal standpoint, yeah, it upset me. And I understand Robin Leonard's frustration with it. And I'm glad if it was me asking it or if it was somebody else asking it, I'm glad that he was able to put it out there and and clear himself. I just think it's unfortunate and I hope we, you know, get better and the league gets better to a point where we don't ever have to go through this. Yeah, that's something that uh, Leonard mentioned in his comments of just like, hey, there's still such a stigma about all this stuff and you know he feels that there's progress moving in the right direction but obviously i think there's still a way to go uh, if you want to check out robin leonard's full thoughts and comments uh, they're on dave's twitter feed at david shane lvrj he posted the full video clip of leonard saying all that stuff um as we mentioned since then he started two games uh looked pretty good and both of them got the win in both of them he's lowered his goals against average significantly than what it was before the injury and we'll see what happens moving forward here the knights have both their goaltenders healthy for the first time in a long while uh dave do you expect i guess from here on out just to get them both up to get i guess robin leonard up to speed and then mark andre fleury on the opposite side slow him down a little bit give him some rest do we expect them to go back to kind of the 50 50 rotation here for a bit yeah maybe not even a bit i mean i think they'll go back to it as long as they can do it as long as they're both playing well. I mean, I think Pete DeBoer pretty much jumped right into it. I, I I had a weird thought and it was, it was just a, you know, just me kind of throwing darts more than anything. It wasn't like anything that I'd heard or known, but I, I was, I was wondering if Robin Leonard would get the Sunday game in LA and, and maybe you give him back to back for that. Just, just try to like, let him work back into game shape through a game because they don't have practices. And then you give Marc-Andre Fleury like, you know, the, the Monday game against St. Louis, and then you can rest him. Maybe you come back with Leonard against Colorado the first day. Obviously they didn't do it, but either way this week, you know, with a couple days off and then, you know, Leonard played Monday. So we would expect Marc-Andre Fleury to play the first game, you know, in Colorado but I think as long as they're both playing well, as long as they're healthy, this is what sets up. I mean, they're going to have a lot of games coming up here. I mean, I think looking ahead, it was like 17 or something like that in April. Um, it's jam-packed here for the for the rest of the month after this two-day break. So, you know, if, if we buy what they're selling, that they're going to need two goalies, this is the time to do it. So, so you know, as long as Robin Leonard's playing well, we know Marc-Andre Fleury's playing well. 
I think they both have, have earned the time and I think Pete DeBoer will, you know, continue to to alternate. Yeah, that is definitely for sure. I mean, I think we've mentioned it on a lot of podcasts, maybe every single podcast, but this schedule is just insane. And it's insane for a lot of teams too, not just the Knights. Uh, I think basically Colorado and Minnesota have an equal number of games played right now. So no one necessarily has a, you know, quote unquote advantage, but it's a lot of hockey for all these teams. So, so far the Knights have handled it really well. We'll see how they continue to do so moving forward. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. As a reminder, we are sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are presented by Blue Wire. Make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We also have a new a bi-weekly newsletter coming out. I think it's bi-weekly or twice-weekly. Whatever it is, I will be writing it on Tuesdays. Dave will be writing it on Fridays. There's a story up on our website if you guys want to learn how to subscribe. It'll basically contain a bunch of links to the highlights of our written content as well as a lot of other really cool and exclusive features. So hopefully that's an easier way for you guys to engage with us. Uh, and of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, Whatever you do to podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1-HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal.